edition if if noel's here noel's not that old i'm on the business end of 35 no fuck off not an ultron <laughs> but it is I'm a gonna... spoiler alert i'm your host rob Patey, and why is it a shit show because jadles went to baltimore for some fucking reason jadles life jadles wow my friends had a baby i go see the baby it was cute so anyway, I'm Rob. Uh, I haven't been here the past two weeks. You fuckers made fun of me two weeks ago and then completely <laughs> forgot I existed the following week. We didn't make fun of you. Wait, we would you have about... preferred if we just made fun of you two weeks in a row as opposed to, yes. like, let it lie? Virtually, <laughs> virtually forgetting I exist after eight years on this shit show? Let me think I mean, about I it. mean, if anything, it was a form of respect, like, hey, one, one week of roasting. Maybe yeah. it was from you, Noel. The other two fuckers <laughs> forgot about me. We didn't know if you were ever coming back. You Shut just, up. No. <laughs> I, I can't swear just... I, I inserted just the tips and balls deep a couple times. We like, did. For a, ver- oh. a verbal reference. Sometimes yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. Because well, it's all head. All right. Now introduce yourselves. Now enough about me. My name is Mark <laughs> underscore L underscore Miller. I'm also known as M.L. Miller in the comic books. I used to be called Ambush Bug. I'm Noel Bartocci. Uh, I've been continually get invited back. And I'm just going to roll with it. Um, I wish I had a beer. Um, that's about it. So, <laughs> hey. what do you guys think about doing some emails? Oh, cool. Here comes the part where they try to make the intro to the email section of the show as annoying as possible. Only if they're from... <laughs> I'm clapping. Thank you. And our only email this week comes to us from probably our only listener, Christopher R. Goodnight. Who's that? It's a new listener, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's never written us before at all. I'm not familiar with this gentleman. That's all Please right. Please continue. Well, let's meet him. Hey, oh. First off, St. Saucy. The name dates back to 2002 with the Buffy chat room on the UPN website. It started out as Tomato Soup, which was a Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager shout out. But as trolls do, someone had used that name one day, so I used Tomato Sauce, and everyone took to calling me Saucy. Then a Canadian member of the message board took to calling me Saint Saucy due to my more pious nature at the time. It stuck out, and I've been using it ever since. I believe we talked at one point in time and wanted to know why the this hell Saint Saucy. Uh, yeah, I think this uh, was my fault. Uh, yeah, no openness. Fuck you, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I actually I wanted to know where it kind of came from. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got uh, your answer. And that's uh, and it's it's even like so. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a deep cut nerd all the time, but my blind spot is Star Trek, so I didn't get that at all. However, 
Good on you, dude. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I've watched every, um, yeah, uh, episode I've watched of Voyager. Every movie. No, I'm well. That's not a fan. Thanks for playing, yeah. though. Well, um, I, I, I'm not even claiming. It's just like I've watched every movie. I, I vestigially enjoy it, but no, I don't. No, I, I loved it. Voyager. I watched almost every episode of Voyager. The tomato soup thing for Tom Paris did not stick out for me. I know he fucked a half Vulcan. And they had a kid together as Voyager was traveling back from the Delta Quadrant. But tomato soup? No. No, I, I missed that out of the hundreds of episodes. So thanks for that. Uh, the email goes on. Uh, the email is going to go on for days. So buckle down, everybody. As for the variants, because we made fun of all the variants. As for the variants, when I first got back into DC Books with Rebirth, I was buying both covers. So I lost my job and could no longer afford it. With the farming covers, I had to track them down via eBay. One friend in California ordered me four of the connecting covers, and I mailed her cash for them. I don't have PayPal. Jesus, Chris. Then I found the fifth connecting cover and discovered there were other covers that didn't connect and asked my local comic shop to order them for me. This is like a serial killer's manifesto. He ordered three of them for me. But the fourth was in Canada, and they sent it to me and let me pay after it arrived. Did you go to the Mark L. Miller School of Storytelling? They had quoted me a price of 10 for the comic, and whatever the shipping was, probably 5 when it arrived, and the shipping was 15 according to the stamps on the envelope. Hey, what were you wearing when you went to go get that? <laughs> I mailed is this, them. This is like reading an, uh, uh, a um, uh, Harry Knowles review from 10 years ago. It's like it's. <laughs> It's all of it's it's 35 minutes of the car ride, what you were wearing, the thoughts, the excitement, and yes. then like a small paragraph of yeah, the movie was good at the end. Yeah, here's of this why. like no. 3,000 word opus. Wait, we're not Christopher done. Goodnight is, I mean, he's 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 just given us the information that we asked. Oh, no, I know. But the, way, it is. <laughs> the, the way that it's being read, it's just it, yes. it gave me a weird flashback. Uh, the it's way it's being read accurate. is the way it's written. So let's not fucking get on my oratory skills here. Yeah, but you're putting a little acerbic twin. You don't get to hear. You don't get to hear emails read out loud a lot. I'm sorry if I'm making new associations. Yes. Wait. Wait. JD's not. And I just want to let Christopher Goodnight know JD is not reading this. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Everybody confuses me with JD. All right. Uh, I mailed them the 25 and they messaged me asking me why I had sent more than we had agreed on. I told them I went by the stamps on the envelope as I didn't want them to eat that cost. All in all, that was a pleasant experience for you, maybe. That makes me realize everything they say about Canadians is true. They have health care. Right. And they're all they're cool with weed. Um <laughs> With Bone Parish, I just like that particular cover. Bug, do you have anything to say about Bone Parish? (laughs) (laughs) I believe I stated my case last time. I don't need to add anything more. Fantastic. All right. Wait, the the email goes on. I have opinions about the Action Comics issue, but you've covered it all already. Action Comics was fantastic. Loved all the post-it notes. I do love the post-it notes. Post-it notes are nice. So the, here's the thing, like, I, yeah. I did read this email beforehand, and he said he had opinions, but we covered them. We covered, like, four different opinions. Yeah. So I I wish he would have said what it was. Just say, like, Team Mark or Team JD or Team Noel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Red Arrow is the daughter of Shadow and Robert Queen, not Oliver Queen. She is Oliver's sister. She replaces Thea Queen from the Arrow TV series, who replaced Mia Dearden from the Kevin Smith Green Arrow arc. Oh, okay. That's, I love that arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quiver and subsequent stories. Her name is Amiko Queen. I was the one who commented in Cullen Bunn writing a new book every month. Screw Justice League Jones. Oh, snap. Justice League Jones is our other listener, so yeah. Uh oh, quite a fight. Is there is there beef between your two listeners? Yeah, I mean the two listeners. Yeah, they both want to be in the top three, and they haven't made it yet. Who's the Who's the top one? Okay. Who's the third? You just math that out, Nolan. I'm going to keep reading. No, I didn't buy <laughs> any of the variants or any of the Wolverine issues. Oh. I steer clear of... You see what I did there? Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. I steer clear of Marvel. Second printing suck ass. Give me first printings or give me death. He actually All right. Me, he actually wrote give me first printings only or get the fuck out. I decided to give it a historical context. You're welcome. Wolverine's new costume looks a little bit like his briefly seen House of N costume. So briefly that I couldn't find a clear panel from the comics and had to share a picture of the toy. And he did share a picture of the toy, which none of you can see because podcast. Is it in, uh, is he, is it in the tub with him? <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you send him a picture, Chris, and let Mark know. No! Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't... All right, here's here's where he gets real saucy. I'm surprised you didn't play 15 voicemails before you read my email today. I made it very clear. I put the gauntlet down. Voicemails, Trump, emails. JD concurred, and that is this that is the podcast precedent. So suck it. I can't wait till next week. Runaways 12 was really good this week, as was Bone Parish number two. Oh, oh, oh. And the Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual 2, which sets up a new direction for the series and Heroes in Crisis. Twist the knife. Yeah, he did. Well, he did. It, also, it also sounds like there's a, a heavy bias against Marvel. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, he's definitely a DC guy, and I think that's where he and Justice League Jones probably get another biggest spats, because as by Justice League Jones' name implies, he was big into Justice League. That's why I named him Justice League Jones. Also, I couldn't remember his real name. <laughs> and we've got one more email from Gene Hoyle. And I met Gene, uh, shit, probably seven or eight years ago, maybe nine years ago. And Gene was writing a comic book right after having an aneurysm. Hi. Yeah. So his brain bled. And um, then Gene just kept kind of writing indie comics. And Gene now runs the Nerd Nation, which is a indie publisher and podcast. So Gene had this to say. Chicago pizza is just cake. Seriously. Mm, die in a fire. Wow. As a Chicago native, die in a fire. Uh, I'm going to rename him Geniorism. <laughs> <laughs> For that comment. <laughs> those, those that can't understand that, that Chicago pizza is also pizza... Um, just, they have a very narrow mindset on, on this world that we live in. Yes. It's a delicious cake, pizza, sort of thing. It's more of like a delicious pizza quiche. It, yes, you're right. It, it's, it, it is like quiche, but it's, uh, the thing is, uh, I can get a Chicago pizza and I could eat it all week. 
because you just eat like one or two pieces mm-hmm. and that's like a whole freaking meal. You can't say that about your flat ass New York pizzas. Yeah, but it's, I, it's, I wouldn't even. You gotta fold in half to even have yeah, some sustenance. It's like the argument is based merely on how you can eat it and not taste. Like I like both, but to too. call one better than the other is just kind of stupid. You don't. It's like, hey, what's us. my what's your least favorite million dollars? How yeah. about that? Like it's, it's, it's pizza. It what's the big be, deal? Even bad pizza is still is pizza. pizza. Yeah. Do you judge everything by its density? Yes. That's what she said. Uh, hey, I might get like lucky an, tonight. Didn't really fit. Like an anvil. Way. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't, I don't know if density matters. That didn't fit. Um, I just said yes to be contrary. I don't have any good. Uh, That's fine. I know. I, I know that, that you're my density. <laughs> my density has popped me to you. Um, how cool is my Kickstarter? Your Kickstarter is very cool, Gene. Uh, good luck with the Nerd Nation, as always. It's good stuff, man. Keep 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 the good indie fight going. Uh, fucking squirrels, am I right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, fuck squirrels. I mean, I don't like squirrel girls, uh, but I like squirrels, though. I don't like squirrel girl, but I like squirrels. I don't mind squirrel girl. Squirrel girl is annoying. The way they write her is annoying. She has one story. You know, she fights some type of foe that is eight billion times more uh more powerful than her and wins just because, because it's ironic and cute because yeah. it's you, cute did you just describe every superhero comic no no i mean the, hers is all that's her one story that's like the big squirrel girl story i've never seen another story that isn't like that she's always taking on galactus and and all this stuff it's never it's always that kind of tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. Spider-Man, is, Spider-Man does not go against giant odds all the time. He goes against foes. He's got personal issues. He's got he's got stuff going on. And we usually hate every one of those issues where there are an epic consequences and we call them filler. Noel, to answer your question, I'm going to say yes. That is a definition of superheroes. <laughs> but it is often, you know they're going to pull out because they are awesome and have epic powers. And then there's Squirrel Girl, who's... A squirrel. She's got a no. She's got a tail. That's her power. Well, um, she can so talk to power. That's a deformity. That's... I only know her and enjoyed the shit out of her as um, Danielle Danielle Cage's nanny. Oh yeah, in New Avengers. That's the only and and her and and like the the subtle implications that her and Wolverine used to smash. And I thought that was hilarious. I, I'm fine with I'm fine with her as an ancillary character. This is one of those ones I just didn't feel needed to be elevated to. Uh, their own status in their own book, personally. But it, I feel that way about a whole swath of characters. So it surprises me that she girl, girl. It surprises me that she doesn't have an Infinity Gem. That's what that, I mean. It's What's it's the, it, the, the thing is, it's like there are characters that they just kind of force on you mm-hmm. to make you feel like, oh, these this person is cool. Squirrel Girl was one of those. Dupe was one of those. I never liked Dupe. Um, it, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, this is, this person, this character is going to be cool. And then, and then people just start saying, oh, this character is cool. Just because like Marvel said, oh, this character is cool. Well, no, I, no, Duke was I, I would rather see it happen. Well, that's how a lot of people feel about Deadpool too. Up until like the movies, yeah. you know, like uh, why I, are you forcing this shit on me constantly? Well, the I, Daniel uh, Way era. I do feel, Deadpool and everyone yeah, is just annoyed I, with it. I do feel that there's way too much Deadpool out there, but I feel like the the, the character actually. It, I don't. I don't mind it that that there's there might be a Deadpool series, but 
10 Deadpool series in a month is just yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. And I think Dupe was fine when he was part of Ecstatics, but then he did become, you know, again, it's taking that ironic character and then playing the fuck out of it where I think everybody got Dupe overload. Well, it yeah. arguably works for um, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck doesn't even have its own series, though. Different he time, didn't. man. Different time period. Well, I no, think. the most recent uh, Chips and Archie stuff was really fun. Oh, oh all right. Yeah. I get to read that. I, I, was, I, think it, I think it's just like a tone thing. Like, maybe you guys don't hate Squirrel Girl so much. It's just like this current incarnation of it, like, carefree kind of base level superheroics is just like meh not for me i don't give a shit for me it's for me it's as much there who they try to be when they're out of the costume as in the costume Mm -hmm. and you said it right i have zero tolerance for the flighty and stupid Mm -hmm. yeah it's just not for us i think that's the demographic of that book is any living beings flighty or stupid (laughs) i have no tolerance (laughs) yeah like a book like um I, I, is it is it wrong to kind of like kind of put it in the same like resurgence with, uh, you know, like a Miss Marvel and the the teenage yeah. girl kind of uh, representation, right? So, yeah. but there's there's books like Miss Marvel that it's the kind of all ages kind of story that can appeal to more like to more demographics because it's just done well. But then there's yeah. stuff like the irascible Squirrel Girl or whatever the fuck the name of the title is, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Duh. That is almost directly narrow focused on a specific demo. Yeah. But what is and, that? But as a woman, I would be insulted by that. Miss Marvel well, is very smart. And as, Marvel... as a woman, sure. But it, as a 12 year old girl, maybe not. Well, no, I think uh, as a 12 year old girl, that's not giving them enough credit. I think Miss Marvel is just right for a 12 year old girl. It's smart. It covers a lot of broad issues, including sure, racism yeah. as she's growing up. Yeah. And, and then the whole body dysmorphia thing, that analogy of, of the body oh, dysmorphia yeah. of puberty uh, uh, being told analogously through the body dysmorphia of her powers. Mm-hmm. And then there's fucking Squirrel Girl, who's a squirrel girl. <laughs> Personally, I don't have any problem with a comic book that caters to an audience that wants something a little funner, a little bit more cartoony. And um, it's not like this character is being forced down anyone's throats. It, I don't think it, she equates to a Wolverine or a Deadpool where they just show up in 17 different books every month. Uh, Squirrel Girl just has her one book. And then if you want to read that book, you can read that book. If you don't want to read that book, you don't read that book. Uh, I see a lot of contingent online of people who are just like so angry that Squirrel Girl uh, has a comic book. It's like, who gives the, why do you care? Just don't read it. Uh, I could understand if she was like sprinkled throughout the Marvel Universe showing up in the Avengers and, and uh, a whole bunch of different team books and stuff. But she's not. She's in her one little book. So uh, if there's people who want to read that book, more power to them. Uh, it's not for me, but... I read something else, so who cares? So, let's <laughs> review our first comic book. Batman What's number that? 54 by DC Comics, written by Tom King and art by Matt Wagner. When last we left the bat, he was left at the altar. And now here we are a few issues later. Um, and I'd say the series shit the bed. Yeah. I mean, this was fucking terrible, right? Uh, I don't agree. Shit the bed. I didn't necessarily like this issue, though. Yeah. I really liked the last three issues. The uh, the three issue arc with Lee Weeks. Okay. That was that was an awesome little short story. And they they give it some lip service here. Oh, he's still on the uh, Mister Freeze case. 
but um i didn't necessarily like this issue it was just way too on the nose like yeah maybe maybe it's i love matt wagner but maybe it's matt wagner's art too that's like it's so nostalgic that it seems like a sore thumb in this book yeah i was gonna say what else has matt wag can you educate us in the audience as well as matt wagner has done no uh, yeah i was gonna say like he's he did a bunch of didn't he do a bunch of like uh stuff for dynamite like green hornet and um He's most well known for his series Mage, which has been running since the mid '80s. You know, Kevin Matchstick. He's got a black T-shirt. He's got a glowing baseball bat. Um, he's got oh, his shirt has a lightning bolt on it. Um, yeah, that's what he's most well known for, I think. But he's also done some like I think it was called Trinity, which had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in it. He did a miniseries for that. Yeah, he's been doing stuff in the comics industry for decades, but he's most well known for Mage. God, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the, like, not the saint, but the shadow. Like he's got a he's got a very uh, he's got a niche in like fifties noir kind of feel mm-hmm. to his art. But I and, didn't even get that vibe at it. I just got well, the amateurish. I I do agree that his characters are very stiff um and stiff and cartoony um, a lot of the yeah. a, a lot of the uh facial expressions are over exaggerated um they're not they're not exactly different from the the expression that the story is suggesting but it's almost taking it to a, a cartoonish extreme level instead mm-hmm. of a little bit more subtlety that you might have you might have gotten from a, a, a Kevin McGuire, maybe, or you know, who's who's kind of a master at different facial expressions. Um, I, w- like I was uh, to to update. He has done he's done a good handful of uh, Batman stuff over the years. So a lot of uh, short stories and miniseries. But yeah, Mage, Green Hornet, Mage. The Shadow, Grendel. Yeah, Mage. Yeah. I remember him from Mage. Um, one of the things that that bothers me is that uh, this is not. This doesn't feel like. Um, dick to me i don't think i don't think he has a uh Shut up. i don't even think he has a good handle on dick <laughs> oh jd's no, be so glad he's not here <laughs> no but you, you know what i mean it's it, it's almost like yeah this is not uh, the dick grayson that is nightwing this is like dick grayson as a teenager and it feels oh, it just feels childish yeah, it feels like I don't know. It's it, it maybe more of like a Tim, or maybe a little bit, even a little bit more acerbic, like a, a Red Hood, a little bit, like a Jason Todd. Um, I always thought that uh, you know I, I didn't. I don't. Know, I just thought that there was that he's been written much more subtly. Subtly, his his relationship with Batman has been written much more subtly. Um, through the years and this you're right this is very much on the nose uh, and a little bit just just too simplistic into what and like you know him coming in and saying oh let's have a hug oh how's that it's good it's so good right and it's it's just all this like stuff played sort of for laughs but it's just not it's not uh nice. so i we never did the uh so the the the, the, the like little one shotty story that it is um while Bat, or while Bruce Wayne was on jury duty, uh, Dick came in and appeared as as Batman for him, like while he was getting over the left at the altar. Yeah. Uh, and this starts with him not having left yet. Like you can go, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm here." And then they go through a cavalcade of the dumbest villains, 
and Dick makes a bunch of on the nose dumb jokes. Yeah. Keeps trying to get Bruce to open up to him, and then you see flashbacks of Bruce trying to get the young, recently deceased parents, Dick, to open up to him when they were, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And it's just, it's so. And this whole series, for better or worse, uh, in its high points and low points, has been more subtle than than it needed to be, you know? Yeah. Like, he used superhero comics as kind of a, a veil to tell more subtle or more nuanced stories, and that's why this kind of bugs me. There's there's no subtlety or nuance to it. You know what yeah, else bugs? It bludgeons you with stupid yeah. Or or just sentimentality. Uh, God, I didn't even. I, I mean, again, I've I've been reading Batman since the late seventies, and I know it was Jason Todd at the time. But you know, you know, Dick's come back and forth enough uh, from the Titans and the fill in mm-hmm. that you feel like you're getting to know him. And maybe we did get to know an older version of him. But even uh, when I would consider him in his late teens, early twenties, during the, you know the the Teen Titans, I guess was that Wolfman that was writing it back then. Mm-hmm. Um, God, no, he wasn't a moron. And he was kind of a fucking moron in this. He, he kind of was, yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing is that, you know, this... Tom King is the guy that, that made us actually like Kite Man in, uh, like, about a year and a half ago with that riddles and jokes and riddles that, oh, that right. yeah, story. Yeah. Right. Um, he, took, he, took, he took a lame character and made him cool. Um, somebody recently redid crazy quilt and actually made him a, a formidable villain it might have been snyder not sure who it was but it might have been snyder and actually made him something not like a laughable character and um i hate it that this is kind of this is like actually bringing kite man back and then like you know making him less of a formidable character or you know somebody who's already had that transformation and then then taking a step back um in in doing that sort of thing uh, which which frustrates me, you know. It cheapens like what could have been a, a like a cool character that maybe could be in I don't know Suicide Squad or you know some show up somewhere else and actually be a formidable like kite kite man yeah laughable kind of goofy but you could make him into a cool like redo him into some something cool same thing with uh I I mean condiment king no I was gonna say like joke, I mean that's a joke character not, that kind of was thrown out there. King. But to have a guy just crazy enough to use that and actually think that that's kind of formidable, formidable, um, that's that's crazy in itself. Just, I mean, it's kind of like the shocker. You know, the shocker always comes out. He loses every time. But for some reason, he it's it's almost as if wasn't there a character in The Watchmen who actually liked getting beaten by the characters and yeah. he was actually a masochist? It's almost like that. You know, you could do that with some of these characters and not just make them the jokes that, that uh, Dick Grayson and Batman make them out to be in this one. And that's... I completely agree with you about Crazy Quilt, but not about Condiment King. He is... There's there's no redemption for that character. There is. There is. there There's a redemption for Condiment King, definitely. All you have to do is just think about, like, you know, think about it and... I mean, uh, I mean, Maybe there's a he... there's a real redemption for him. Like he turns turns his life of crime towards being a food truck operator, and <laughs> Maybe lives that's the straight he... and narrow as no, an he informant runs... for Maybe Batman. he maybe he crashes 
a food truck into, you know, places and then shoots up the place and robs the place. Maybe he is a guy that maybe he is a guy that the villains use kind of like Kite Man, but he uses like to kind of sweeten or flavor the the heist first somewhere else on a small like side dish when the real meal is they're robbing something across town, but they send Condiment King out as the, the the guy that Batman goes after and, and is the the flourishing guy that goes out there and, and distracts him. I'd let you go with it because I could tell what you were trying to do with the puns. So I allowed it to happen, but one can fly the other fucking squirts condiments. I understand that. Well, no. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, what's his name? Kite Man can fly. Yes, I get it. And the other one squirts condiments. Yes, but maybe he's a chemist. Maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe he's a, a, a disgruntled chef. Oh, wait, no let, me check, let me check history. No, he's not. He's a guy what, who shoots condiments. What's the guy's, <laughs> what's his backstory? I don't think anybody knows. I think he's like, uh, he's like those characters that just kind of show up, gets beat up and taken away a million times. But it would be interesting to go and, and go into that guy's mind. My problem is that Tom King did that a year and a half ago. Good he time, It was only a year and a half ago. And he, it, and it's, it's almost like this is lazy in just kind of putting out these characters as basically just punching bags and, and punchlines. Uh, Condiment yeah. King, created by Bruce Timm and Paul Dini for the Batman animated series. Yep. Um, real name, Mitchell Mayo. Yeah! Uh, Jesus. Whimsical made many condiment-based puns. For example, the big bad guy, I knew you'd catch up to me sooner or later. <laughs> How I relished this meeting. <laughs> this is disgusting. You know what? <laughs> You know what? He just wants to be held. Chronologically, <laughs> the Condiment King first appeared Batman uh, in Batgirl Year One, written by Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty. Uh, there is nothing about his actual origin in the right. Wikipedia. But, Mitchell, yes, Mayo, Mitchell Mayo. Mitchell Mayo. Mitchell Mayo just wants to be held. Uh, we got God. It. Got it. We Next. Jesus. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I am still on board for the series. I love this series, but this was not enjoyable. I, you know, I and I'm the lone spoiler alerter who actually liked the beginning of this series. I liked I Am Gotham. I, I liked all those to the lead up. I, I'd say this this and issue fifty are the first two that have really disappointed me and felt dialed in. Yeah, maybe. No, I don't disagree with you. Hmm. How about this moment where Batman just kind of breaks down and cries? inside his his mask well he does what Bat- batman doesn't cry but he does laugh maniacally when he's super sad yeah. <laughs> and that's that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty much what that was yeah I mean, he, he's like laughing but then like kind of he just kind of has like a freaking seizure inside his mask which is kind of funny and uh he likes chips he does we learned that as well wait no he doesn't i thought it was dick, dick, that loves dick. Chips. No, dick likes chips yeah yeah but the uh, the cucumber sandwiches as an allegory for keeping by your friends made me want to vomit in my mouth. I yeah, as much as cucumber sandwiches made me want want to vomit in my mouth. Yes, it was pretty gross. It was almost like the the our mother's names are both Martha. Moment. Yeah, my my father loved cucumber sandwiches. I just told him what you I told you what he told me. Don't give up on them. Keep trying again and again. Because I swear they're worth it. So he's essentially saying really? friendship is like a cucumber sandwich. It's worth it. That's, it's it's like, gross it's, as shit. Just keep going because maybe it's right. worth it. 
Because, yeah. All right. Border Town number one. Writer Eric Esquivel and artist Ramon Villalobos. Let's hear what DC has to say. When a crack in the border between worlds releases an army of monsters from Mexican folklore, the residents of Devil's Fork, Arizona, blame the ensuing weirdness, the shared nightmares, the otherworldly radio transmissions, the mysterious goat mutilations on god dang illegals. With racial tensions supernaturally charged, it's up to a new kid in town, Frank Domeniguez, and a motley crew of high school misfits to discover what's really going on in this town, torn between worlds. Um, this wasn't good. Really? Um, it's an allegory. Uh, no, but it was, it was, um, alright, so maybe that was dismissive. There was some stuff mm, in here that I, that I thought was, like, interesting, but that description you read Mm-hmm. was not really this exactly. um that description that might be the the, the sales pitch for the first six issues mm-hmm. but this was um uh, a shit ton of um exposition stereotypes it was no, a laundry of stereotypes on top was, of stereotypes it was a laundry list of like uh, uh a laundry list of issues and, you know, without, like, a lot of, with, with a story sort of threading it through. Yeah, you know what, maybe that's what it is. Because I I love the idea of storytelling, uh, being able to kind of, like, weave reality through, you know, fantastical elements to kind of tell a broader story. But, like, when we first meet this kid, first of all, the beginning is just, like, a bunch of hardcore Trumpers wanting to shoot down um, illegals crossing the border. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even, I'm not even like stretching to say they're Trumpers. They s- literally scream, make America fucking great again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, a Mexican family getting eaten by a, a demon. But this kid, when we first are introduced to this kid, um, I w- I'm supposed to like him, but he is just a mouthpiece for you know, social media snarkiness. I, there's nothing I'm given to like him. So he's a kid. He's yeah, an asshole, but yes. You, you, yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. But the thing about it is, like, he's technically right, right? Or, like, as in correct, not right-wing. The things he's saying are situationally correct for his situation and, and his view of the world. But he's just such a petulant shit. Yeah. I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't have as much of a problem with him because, again, he is a kid. And let's remember, guys, as we started off this podcast, yeah, kids are. We are there. You go. <laughs> I, I mean, I that. I mean, that is what I'm going to attribute part of this to because they do like to over talk about situations right now because they have a multitude of fucking mediums that they have to fill during the day to True. become actualized and recognized human beings. They've got to fill shit on Facebook. They've got to fill. Fill, fill all of these social media channels as well as the two or three real conversations they have during the day with their thoughts. That is what, you know, that is what we have bequeathed on this world. So mm-hmm. I, I'm okay to a small extent with the, I mean, personally, I find it fucking annoying, but with, from a representational standpoint, I, I, I find it frighteningly accurate, especially as I get, you know, each new round of millennials come into the workforce each year and I see the trend progressing and progressing mm-hmm. more towards this. I, I, I find it accurate. 
I, you know what? Maybe I just, I, I, I feel like I'm being harsh. I, I just didn't connect with him. That's right. I, well, I didn't okay, know here's, who here's, I was supposed to cheer for, but it has to be him because the only other moralistically sound character is um, a large lug who doesn't say anything. Who is called retarded in right. this? In yeah, in the in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Which going back to our our uh, talk uh, last last week about Bendis saying somebody fucking uh, autistic fuck, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's that's that's two books in a row from DC where it's like they are pointing out a somebody's mental uh, mental capabilities in a very well. Way. This is a Vertigo book, though. Yeah, so it's okay. Oh. It, <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously, Come like on. this is this is a different. This is not all ages. This is a Vertigo book. I, that was that was my argument. That it wait, was, wait, we're all wrong. wait, wait, we're all wrong. Yeah. It is a Vertigo book. No, I mean it's it's. I think it's indicative of the way the character views the world. Which character is it that calls um, the guy in the mask a retard? Yeah, it was a. It was he was a Nazi skinhead. Yeah, a skinhead kid. <laughs> yeah, just like it was a mob boss in the last one. So is this guy going to have to walk this back in the trade? No, because it's a Vertigo book, and it's not no. the most popular iconic character it's, in their lineup. It's also it's also a Nazi saying it. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's okay. So, all right, but anyway, so what I'm saying about is this: um, there's this uh, there's this thing in comics and. Everybody does it. You can go all the way back to Chris Claremont, where it's like somebody is like basically speak and uh, speaking a uh, a dissertation while they're doing an action. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and in this book, that this it was just. I usually because I've read a gabillion comic books, that usually doesn't bother me so much. But for some reason, in this book, it bothered me. Um, it just it it this happened. When he's in this fight after school with this with this uh, Nazi guy, and he's sitting there mid kick, and he says, "I'm not dumb. I know what happened uh, happens if I bash your brains out in the hallway on my first day of class, and I'll I'll have the teachers, guidance counselors, maybe even a, a parole officer down my throat for next three years." He says that mid kick. <laughs> you know, it's like it. There's just so much, so many people just just kind of preaching in this book that it really kind of that took me out that's that was the main thing that took me out of this like there's Mm -hmm. this there's this other scene earlier when they're in school and out of the blue these two girls just meet this guy in class and he says you know she's like uh prove you're not a racist Uh, which is about that's just like the stupidest thing how see that's that how do you kind of like it seems real, but it's like yeah. there's no way to prove yourself you're not a race. If I know, but you know, fifteen-year-olds think you can. I yeah, it's true. by overcompensating, right? Exactly. So he like goes out and he lists like I listen to Japanese thrash metal. Uh, I follow Kumail Nanjiani on Twitter. I, I I've seen Steel so many times. I wore out the VHS tape, and I'm half Mexican. And then she she goes on to lecture him and say, you're not half Mexican or half Irish. That makes you sound like the world's shittiest centaur. You're Mexican and you're Irish and you're American, all three fully and three simultaneously, 300%. And I'm just like, who, like, I I don't understand why, you you know, why are we getting, why are we getting that? Why is that scene exist? You know, it's like, why do we need to know that? I don't know who's. The, did, does anybody know who this 
this uh this writer is i've never written or read anything of his is well, he is he normally a novelist because this is this often is a problem with like the first couple of issues of somebody that's not as deft in comic booking because like with the fight that you mentioned before yeah that big speech that he gives it actually could have been about three lines Sure. Uh, this looks almost as if maybe he doesn't know to trust the art as much, or it's just kind of yeah. like a flexing your muscles thing. I see because that, that sometimes. That could have been like, I'm not dumb. I don't need all that heat on my first day to punch you in the throat. And then that's the whole scene as opposed to his diatribe. Exactly. Eric M. Esquivel is an American comic book writer and journalist. Esquivel was sure. born in Gurney, Illinois on February 10th, 1987. He currently lives and works in Los Angeles. Esquivel is a co-creator along with artist James Fry of the Sonic the Hedgehog villain, the War Walrus, and the co-creator along with Carl Sacatino of the Mega Man villain, Dubstep Man. Oh my god, he created War Walrus and Dubstep Man? So he's worked in, so he's a journalist that's also worked in video games, but he doesn't have any like, this. is this his first... Maybe larger. Uh, he probably wrote. He probably wrote the Sonic the Hedgehog. He's comic. also done writing for such websites as Bleeding Cool. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this, this yeah. whole uh, new line of Vertigo people. Uh, you're going to get this on a lot of these new things. Mm-hmm. They're desperate. They're desperate to kind of come out and and find a lot of new voices. But instead of it, and they want to deal with a lot of like social issues in there. So this is what. This is what you get when you get people who do not really have a lot of experience writing comics, given a big shot um, at. Uh, he's he's at, got at, some stuff under his belt. Book. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking a little further now. He has yeah. written a few. He has written a few more books. And, it's a, well, it's a lot of it's a lot of licensed stuff, a lot of Nickelodeon yeah. shit, and Gumby stuff, and rabbits. But it looks like this Loki Ragnarok and Roll series was primarily him. Oh, I remember. So and... a lot of a lot of indie shit and a lot of. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it's just it, it's it, when if I'm, I guess I, you know, I could be described as a quote unquote social justice warrior, and I really like stories like this normally, but this was just just like how it would be too heavy handed if it was just all like the plight of a conservative. It's just too heavy handed. It's too verbose. It's too preachy, and because of that, the potential coolness of this story doesn't shine enough for me yeah but i'm interested enough to read the second issue yeah i saw my i mean well i mean i like that once we finally got to the division of the two worlds we saw that this border town as the description says Mm -hmm. in the last few panels is is a a line between not only mexico and america but also (laughs) between two different realities. So in and of that, I thought it was interesting. I didn't think the kids were too far off base and I love the fucking art. I love the art. Yeah. Doesn't it the have like a, yeah. it's got like a, almost like a Frank Quile. Totally. Like a Frank yeah, Quiley. Yeah. Yes. It's Cassidy. beautiful. And I, and I, lo- yeah, I love mm-hmm. the, um, I love the idea that this Chupacabra is only seen as what scares you. So this white guy sees it as a big fucking Mexican. The Mexican sees it as an ice agent. This Ooh, white Batman. girl thinks it's a tiki torch <laughs> Nazi. Uh, this dumbass thinks it's an urban teenager with a hoodie, and yeah. then it's Bane for this uh, yeah, Batman little, kid. Like it's Batman just, kid. it's a great idea, and it's it's a it's it's a potentially really fun way to skew the viewer, or you know, kind of like a really good storytelling device. But yeah, this this was a 
this was a rough first issue, but it's yeah. got potential. Okay, so I, to me, in a Vertigo series to me has always been top tier. Um, I think of Preacher. I think of Why the Last Man. I think of uh, Sandman, even though I was never in really into Sandman, but still, I can I I respect it as what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like if it's Vertigo, I'm always going to compare it to like the first issue of Preacher, um, which immediately hooked me on on uh, dialogue, characters, the feel for it at the time. You knew it 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 wasn't like there's this is the part where we punch a Nazi. This is the part where we, uh, you know, we talk about whatever issue is going on for the day. Oh yeah. And then we're going to throw in some, uh, this chupacabra thing towards the end. And I, and I feel like this is just uneven in the way that it is. It starts out way too kind of heavy handed in the, in the kind of, uh, just socially conscious sort of, of way. And then by the end, it, it, it gets to that part, but, you just don't get it's not as it's not as evenly spread across the entire thing it doesn't feel like this kid's story has something to do with this other story other than the fact that he just moved there into this town well, do you know what i mean it's a clash of cultures mm. it's a culture clash but i mean it's other than him being kind of forced into this town why is he here this is what? more like he's like thrust into this situation passively rather than this situation kind of coming out of something that is actively his own well, through his own come actions. On. I mean, Harry Potter didn't ask to go to Hogwarts. It was just yeah, sort of thrust upon him. He was a burgeoning wizard, though. Well, this kid gets nosebleeds in dry climates like I do, so maybe he'll be baller <laughs> one day. Well, actually, it was like a, he can hear things, so they, they don't really even t- uh, expound uh, on that at all. Like when the radio plays... Yeah, when oh. the radio plays, he hears weird noises, and that's what gives him the nosebleed, and they got, like, little glyphs and stuff in that his eyes. That could just be an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just, yeah, I just thought that that was, so, a, yeah, that there's was just... geniusism. <laughs> Wait a minute, the kid hears things. I... He's getting repeated nosebleeds. He he could be having a stroke. Yeah, I think that's what it is. All right. Um, I don't know. You're, uh, Mark, it sounds to me like you're talking about pacing, and I, I don't disagree yeah. at all. It, it's got a weird pacing. It's, I would have... It's, it's a lot I'd at like... once. I mean, are these wolf pig things real? I would be more interested in seeing what the fuck is going on with these these wolf pigs that are just wandering around and eating humans and, and, and stuff. That, did anyone else feel that the uh, fist bump, uh, like hero <laughs> treatment, was a little out of place? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's just I don't know. I a lot of a lot of times I feel um, a lot of people like write and do a lot of things in, in comics these days just so they can get like accolades on Twitter uh, a little bit, you know, like, like, Oh, this is, you know, this person dealt with this. So, you know, I'm going to share this person on Twitter. It's like, it's this whole, like write a story. I don't, I'm not trying to get Twitter fans. I'm trying to, I, you, this should be something that's, that's, that, that just kind of comes out of you. And maybe this is something he's been trying to come up with all this, all this time, but I, it really feels like it's pandering and, and pandering to a, a wanting to be accepted into a, a crowd. I also well, don't think they can get the deal these days until they have the Twitter fans, to be honest with you. Uh, well, that's true too. Yeah. Well, like, 
I, I don't know. There, so I'm I'm flipping through the book, and there some of the things that did like stick out to me, and it just aren't. So you've got after after they shoot the chupacabra, you've got the character like running, right? Yeah. And what do you, what do you mean could be worse? She goes while they're running. She goes into a whole <laughs> paragraph about I'm undocumented, Frank. You know, illegal. And by firing that gun, I didn't save your life. I committed a felony that could send my entire family to jail. Like, <laughs> that is not information that is needed for, about that character in that moment. It could just no. be, like, he needs to trust his artist more. He needs to trust pacing more. Like, well, I mean, so he, he has a Bible of the, all of these characters and every single nuance of them. They don't, when, okay, when you walk into a room, do you introduce yourself? Or do you introduce yourself and then give your life story? I know that's the way. It's, yeah, you, exactly. You, you, well, you, know you, what? you, you know peeled what? it back over time, right? You, I, you, you yes. kind of trust the audience to follow along with you. Yes. No, I think. No, I think you drilled into. I think there's an overarching issue of voice. You can have one person who's the overly verbose, loquacious fuck, like on this podcast. That's me. You can have the person who is the I'm trying grunt. to fight you on that. You yeah. can have the person who's the grunting retard, like on this podcast. We well, we've had them. I won't say. Um, Shut up. All right, we have them still. <laughs> um, and there's no different voice between any of these characters. She's explaining things the exact same way that um, uh, Frank D- Dominguez uh, explains things as well. They're all yeah. explaining. In this hyper detail, but probably the voice of the writer. And so mm-hmm. she could just say, yo, we're running because my ass gets fucking deported because I'm illegal and I'm carrying a fucking yeah. gun. Right. I can't That's... handle this heat. Saving you uh, gave even, me more yeah. trouble. Yeah, even I right. can't handle Simple. this heat. I can't handle this heat. It's fine. Explained later into a different issue. Also, I get it that like people want to put as much as they can in this first issue because Lord knows they're not going to come back if they, but, you know, if you don't get them but there is such a thing as as revealing parts of a character at a at a more um cons- like like i say conservative but not in a not in a political sense yeah, yeah. but just a little bit more hold it back a little bit and let it pepper out we don't need to know everybody's character in the first issue just give us a give us a line that is is very telling as to what this person's character is um rather than uh just going off on some diatribe where you're just like you're just explaining everything and i agree yeah you don't enter a room and explain your purpose and the issue that that you want to that is always on your mind and and all of that stuff you enter you enter a room you say hey i mean there this could have been done in a a much more nuanced and and held back like like a little bit more reserved way and i think it would have been much more of a power yeah i think it would have been infinitely better yeah because it it would have been it would have been more about these real people in a fantastical situation as opposed to these caricatures and something's going on and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Do you know, they, like, lean yeah. into one, explain the other later. Like, character work is just as important as your pitch, but it, it, you have to have a deft hand. It, well, there's a it, lot of good in this book. It's just, it's easy back. She just shot... A, a giant toothy cop demon that blood that bled pink blood and that turned into a little chupacabra thing that ran off. And instead of saying, what the fuck was that? <laughs> they say she has to tell us about her illegal alien status. You, you know, that's, that's, that's it, it, where it, it 
Just, yeah, just, no one, no one is like, holy shit, that cop <laughs> just ate that guy's neck. What the fuck? Oh god, oh god. No, at all. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, that's I mean, and that's where I think that this book is just a little bit. It the focus is on the wrong thing. I well, think. maybe they they do that every weekend. The chupacabra shows up, but this is the first time she's admitting she's an illegal. So that's. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Them is, no, I'm not. I'm just being a dick. It's wrong. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Have we uh, shit over all over this enough? Yeah. I, I'm, not, wait, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to read back. the. I'm going to read the next issue. Actually, I might as well, even though we just. I, I want to read the next issue because I think that there's something here. Uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a lazy. It, yeah. I, I'm going to read the next issue. I want to know. I read this story that was out from, uh, I believe it was Archaea a couple of years ago called Feeding Ground. And it was about um, illegals crossing the border and coyotes, uh, the the literal kind. But it was also, it was like a, a werewolf. Where they were like kind of like skinwalkers, basically. Um, and it, it crossed that whole, the the coyotes that they, that they call the people that, that smuggle the people across mm-hmm. the border with actual like, like werewolves sort of things. And that was a much more nuanced kind of story involving the same sort of thing. It it involved um, illegal immigration. It involved um, like kind of people fighting against that for and against it. And it was just much more of a, I I recommend that over, over this because this is just too broad and on the nose. Mm -hmm. All right. I agree with that. And with that, let's move on because this show's getting long. As Guardians of the Galaxy, number one by Marvel, writer Colin Bunn, and art by Matteo Lali. Uh, Marvel has this to say about As Guardians of the Galaxy. Spinning out of the events of Infinity Wars comes an epic space opera from Deadpool veterans Cullen Bunn and Matteo Lali. Angela, Angela, the not-so-beloved half-sister of Angela! Angela! The hot-headed Valkyrie and the human who shares her form. Annabelle Riggs, Scourge, the executioner freshly returned from hell. Throg, the mightiest frog of thunder. Kevin Masterson, the boy who took his father's mace to become the hero Thunderstrike. And the Destroyer, the Asgardian armor built to take down Celestials. Its wielder unknown. The events of Infinity Wars set Nebula off on a quest to rule the galaxy, wielding an Asgardian weapon even Thor would fear. And it's up to this team of gods, assassins, frogs, and heroes to stop her. And Loki. Spoilers! Spoiled it! Spoiled it! It's Loki in the armor! It's Loki Um, in the armor! So I've been been reading all of Infinity Wars, like all the lead-up, the whole Mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy before that. How the fuck is this a tie-in? You tell Uh, us, because I haven't been reading it. It's Nebula. She's not even in that. She's not been in Infinity Wars. She's She's not been in Infinity Wars. She hasn't been, but she's she's intrinsically tied to it. If... If all that mattered for a tie-in was a situational, like, uh, relation, then everything would be a tie-in to Iron Man. Then everything would be a tie-in to... I I don't understand how this is a tie-in. None of these characters are involved. Not yet, maybe. Even the the thing that they... uh, Whatever. He's goading you. I mean, keep doing if you want to, but he's goading you. <laughs> no, so if, is, if it is, it's going to be six issues later because is of what they Loki, set up. Is Kid Loki the same Loki that's going around? Loki is the key because Kid Loki is the same. 
Is that the same character no. going around with? Uh, no, no. Loki that's going around with the library lady. Loki that's going around with the library lady is the Loki that was aged up after Young Avengers and agreed to uh, like. Okay, so Kid Loki was in contact with old Loki and corrupted, and they merged and were aged up after that and that's the loki we have now like the the 20 something or you know late 20s loki that looks like that like looks like tom hiddleston yeah this kid loki shouldn't technically exist they even say it in the thing kind of shouldn't exist anymore is the one from journey into mystery yeah and colin bunch journey into mystery so like this is a time traveling loki or a different plane of existence loki yeah I think I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that that I, that just the fact that they brought they had they I don't like alternate versions of people I think if, I've said that before if, <laughs> uh, yeah he's, he's got a is. thing he's know. got precedent so yeah. so Kid Loki at its inception wasn't an alternate version no I know he was he but now but he is. I don't know who the fuck this is yeah. yeah uh I also don't like I they didn't really mention it here but they said here, uh, Scourge the Executioner, one of Asgard's greatest warriors. Scourge fell in love with Amora, the Enchantress, and was often fossed fellow Asgardians in her name. He was redeemed when he died holding the bridge Galibru against Hela with nothing but a pair of Midgardian M16. Since then, he was, was wandered Hell in search of a purpose. That happened in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Now, so now we're just basically, we're going straight from the movies Instead of uh, no. uh, wait, he died with M16s on the Rainbow Bridge. No, that happened in, in Ragnarok the too. Did it? Okay, I didn't. Yeah, but I, the, I didn't read that part. He, but he's always been in love with. Um, yeah, he's always been in love with human weapons. Uh, but oh, well, um, he's always he got was, that axe. That axe has always been his because yeah, but uh, it was like a fetishist thing. He loved fucking guns. <laughs> well, I don't remember that aspect of fetish, the character. I said fetishist, not a kink. It might be a kink. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm keeping uh, it as anyway, a kink. That doesn't care. really have anything to do but with he, the he story did show itself. Up. He's been in Thor. Like he uh, just freshly from hell. I think that just happened yeah, in like Thor number did. four. Although I, I hate the art on this new Thor, these new Thor series. So I I'm, I'm okay with it. It it looks like it's all flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, it's really. Yeah. Kind of gross, but um, uh, I mean, so, I, I like like weird groups of characters, and this is definitely a weird group of Asgardian characters. Then, I, I, I have always liked the old Brunhilde version of Valkyrie, um, mm-hmm. I think she's a really cool character. Um, herself, uh, Thunderstrike, it's great to see, although I hate his redesign, I hate the way he looks. I don't, um, I don't remember the character, what did he look like before? He had a ponytail. <laughs> oh. Yeah, a leather jacket and a ponytail. And uh he wore he had the regular Thor like little blue circles, but oh, then he had I'm looking a at I'm looking at it jacket. and no, he's he had a uh, beard. He's got an all right redesign. Actually <laughs> in hindsight, uh, his redesign. I don't I don't like He just looked like he looks like Thor Light. So. He, he looks like I don't know what he looks before, like. Before he just looked like a like Thor cosplay. I love that Thor. So you're talking, you're talking about Thunderstrike's Thunder one with the uh, goggles, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I got four pages into this, realized Thunderstrike wasn't Guido Strong Guy from X Factor, <laughs> and I said, yeah. "Fuck this book! I don't care." 
I don't nice. like circular. I don't like his circular glasses. I, I wish he could have just had some cool. And the like, haircut, he looks like Guido. That cupid doll haircut. He yeah, looks I don't like, like that. I don't well, like that hair. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a hipster. Look. High. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a. It's a executive haircut. It's a high. High and long. It's a skater cut. It's it's Guido from the nineties. I mean, yeah, Guido's Guido's got like a Gerber baby though. He's just got like a little tuft of hair. I know. I thought they did something. I swear to God, I looked at the cover and I thought, oh, cool, a strong guy. And then it wasn't. I literally, I just I give zero fucks. So have fun, guys. <laughs> just just throng speak ever. I don't no. remember in other books. He doesn't speak at all, right? He used to speak, yeah, as Thor. He spoke, but now I don't think he speaks. So basically, here's what you do. Colin Bunn goes and he says, okay, uh, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got, okay, let's start out. We've got a, we need a big, strong guy that doesn't say a lot and he's really tough. Okay, we have Drax, so let's have uh, the Executioner be, uh, Scourge the Executioner be Drax. And then let's uh, have Valkyrie be um gamora and let's have i guess angela's starhawk or star lord because star lord there has to be angela in there because we bought the character and we've got a user somewhere and okay we need a groot so let's have uh let's have um let's have a, a destroyer and we need a rocket raccoon so here comes throg and I don't know who, who's that leave for Thunderstrike. I guess Thunderstrike is a little bit more like Star Lord, actually. Um, but that's basically that's your team right there. Um, yeah. It's it, it's kind of too on the nose as imitations of all the rest of them, uh, as an imitation sort of team. And so, to me, that just feels that that just doesn't feel very genuine. Well, speaking of um, character redesigns, so they didn't even bother not making nebula karen gillen right like that's just her yeah yeah but she's like all uh, the way down to the eyepiece like that's yeah. literally like the dvd cover art yeah no it's true yeah but anyway yeah, yeah this is fine i won't read it more i'll read it because <laughs> so it's not exactly fine then <laughs> no it's fine there's nothing le- le- legitimately there's nothing like egregious about it uh but I mean, I was I enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. I'm excited about Ronnie Kate's new run. I, I really like Jerry Dugan stuff. This Johnny was just Davis. like, this was just like meh. I, I don't, I don't. I'm if I never read another issue of this, that's fine. If it ties back into Infinity Wars, I'll, I'll understand without reading it because I whatever. Wow, how so does how does Colin Bunn? Continue to uh, we're we've reviewed a uh, Colin Bunn number one for the last month. Well, this is the Colin Bunn uh, podcast, right? That's what I signed up for. Yeah, that's what this is. isn't he the great? But, isn't he the guy that wrote that great series, Bone Parish? I hear there's multiple variants. We should buy them all. We should. What you guys? Uh, you guys? You guys? Uh, you you kind of faded out there for a second. I missed that. Which uh, it's all right, Bug. It's okay. Uh, You'll hear Colin about the replay. Bunn. Oh no, no, Noel's gonna drive in the night. Never mind. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 there's nothing wrong with this issue. This could be an, a great series, but I'll find out six issues later in a trade when, when I hear a word, but that's I'm not, not going to add this to my, I'm not going to add this to my stack. So there's, okay. So there's a clear definition of the word fine here. You're fine yeah. that this exists, but you'd also be fine if this book was never written. Yeah. I'm incredibly indifferent. This is also extremely um, non-indicative of the way comics work 
Um, and I, I hope there are not uh, just millions of fans out here thinking they can email a pitch to this. Uh, did you read the, the back page of this? No. Uh, no. They sent a they sent a pitch. Colin Bunn sent a pitch to uh, to uh, Will Will Moss, who was an editor at at the time or at the time when he sent this. This was years ago, um, and he sent an email to him suggesting this team. Uh, there were a couple. He said there it's gone through a couple more iterations, but there were a. a this was basically the team that I think he had Thunderstrike and and Throg on there. Um, and he had sent that to Marvel uh, to do that sort of thing. And that's that's not the way comics work. Um, no. Not it, it works. It works if your name is Colin Bunn yeah. and you've done all of this stuff. But I hope people aren't just going to be starting to inundate this editor with with emails of pitches and thinking that's the way they're going to break into comics. I would they, hope anybody who's not a stupid 10 year old wouldn't think that's how the world works. You would be will, surprised. I don't oh, think God. they will, but if you want to try it out, it's will Moss one L at <laughs> marvel.com. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, it's who, yeah. you know, it's not what you do. Yeah. It's never, it's yeah. never, right. it's, yeah. it's almost, never that's the world. Know. Come on. I know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next book. Okay, done shitting all over that one, or being <laughs> utterly indifferent to it, which is not the same as shitting on it. Nice yeah, it's so- not nice absolution. No, that's fine. It's not an absolution. I will fight all these points with Mister Bond if he'd like to discuss them. I just <clears throat> believe if you're utterly indifferent, we have a service to the comic listening industry to say save the four bucks because it ain't worth it. That's more than indifference. That's that's uh that's a mark against it. I'm just I'm not judging. I'm what? just saying. So I it would be like a two and a half out of four. There's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't like it. Alright. This might float your boat, but like it's not a it wouldn't be don't fucking bother with this book. It's just no, I'm not feeling it. Well, I believe enough in you that if you're not feeling it, I don't want to feel it. Fuck that book. Hey, Next <laughs> yeah. book. All right, easy. Can I'm we have a conversation, one, please? I'm the one moving us along at. <laughs> Only when you get bored and you're not talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, United States versus Murder Inc. Uh, from DC Comics, yes. And this is written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Michael Avon Oming. First time writer, first time writer. Yeah, first-time artist, first-time writer. Never heard of these guys. Yeah, oh, they make a really good team, though. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think these kids have some moxie. Um, oh, wait. From the Eisner Award-winning Creators of Powers comes a crime-infused blast of alternate history. Years ago, the five families of organized crime had such a strong hold over the American public that the U.S. government found itself forced to give up part of the country or lose all of it. Now the unrest between America and the families has come to boil. A war is about to come, a war no one is ready for. Newly made, Valentine Gallo and mob hitwoman, Jaeger Rose, Jagger, Jaeger? Rose, find themselves torn over which side of the war they want to be on. United States of Murder, Inc. number one was voted the single best issue of the year by IB, IGN. So, Did you guys read that first uh, series? Yes. I never read it. No. I did, and I'm glad I did. Because you sure shit didn't. Yeah. Um, you, yes, it was. You, you didn't get the context in this at all. Um, really? I didn't I, read it. I, I didn't, didn't read it, it, and I did. Yeah. I was. I, I followed. 
I felt what did just I fine. miss? All right. Did I not read the catch up? Did I not read? No, no. You literally just met this uh, this woman. Uh, talk about her father and then get made into the organization as an enforcer. But did so you what's know this the United other States about? that part of the United States was is owned by the mob? Okay. No, that's not talked about at all. <laughs> I think it's kind of important where I would say that somebody just coming into this for the first time might feel like they only got sort of half a book. A, a an interesting book about how a young girl comes into her own as as a hit woman and gets made into the mafia, but I think it's important to know that the entire northeastern part of the United States is its own separate country controlled by the mob. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, and I I argue that yeah, it, it's important for like the rest of the story. But if this was just a blank first issue, successful. Yeah, like I, it, it it gave uh-huh. me the character. It made me really like them a lot. It it it, it set up an ordinary world that inundated me. With a shit ton of exposition or a recap page, I actually really, really like this, and I didn't know any of that. Fair. I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, I um, I think this is my favorite of all of the new Bendis Jinx World stuff. Um, we we talked about Pearl, which kind of left me <clears throat> left me and just kind of feeling blah. And mm-hmm. then uh, Scarlet, I read a while back, even though we didn't really review it on the podcast, but I wasn't really into that either but this this one and and the other one that we're we're going to talk to about a little bit later but this one i like um i think i like the best out of all of them i agree with that i mean i i liked it but i liked in the context of i read the prior series as well and so i go and we're telling you that it's still good great it's still good without it so that's a successful first issue wonderful yeah like somebody being able to jump onto a book at a new arc like you still you don't negate anything that happened before and you also don't make it completely necessary to enter anything. It's, yeah. it's a perfect first issue. I yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's perfect, but I do think that it's uh <clears throat> it, it definitely is successful. I think that it, it actually makes it so that like, yeah, we we, we I wanna see more of this character. I wanna know more about this character and, and like the world she lives in. Um, if they didn't introduce that other aspect to it, I want to see, I want to be, I want to see an interesting introduction to that in this series because yeah, that is an important detail, I think, but, um, how much you want to bet that, how much you want to bet that next issue, it'll be her uncle describing her, how things work in the world. And then we'll get all of that recap. Sure. Sure. I understand. Yeah. That that would um, work. But this is uh, much too of a, I like it because. This is doing what um, Border Town didn't do. It's focusing on character. It's focusing on, on letting some scenes play out, letting mm-hmm. things breathe a little bit. Characters don't just sit there and just, you know, they don't give speeches to mm-hmm. everybody. It's just these are scenes that are, are being uh, – that is – it's all building. It's all uh, world building, but it's not – it, nothing feels rushed or dictated to. I don't feel like it, I read exorbitant, exorbitant amount of word balloons from this it issue. Didn't like I didn't confuse border. you guys, and you never asked yourselves a question: Why is this book called "The United States vs. Murder Inc."? I don't know. Why the hell is something called Spider Man? <laughs> don't, don't. So don't. I like to be fair. I remember um, when the original series came out, and I vaguely remembered the pitch of alternate history but specifics of it no i didn't know okay 
I, I love the relationship. I love the slice out. I'd say my only pause for caution is that the relationship when she was fine, when she's finally an adult and she's going through the final indoctrination ceremony, mm-hmm. it's very much got that uh, relationship of pilgrim and bishop. I want to say from powers. Dina Pilgrim, and I can't remember the dude's name, the older dude's name, but... His name was Christian Walker. You know, younger by a good 20 years, older dude mentor. I felt mm-hmm. like I was reading Powers again. So that's the only thing I'd well, caution against. That is that, not a bad thing for me. That doesn't help. I love Powers. But, <laughs> that doesn't know. help. I mean, it doesn't help that it's Michael Ivan Oming doing the artwork, because didn't he do the artwork on that as well? And she looks a little yes. like Dina Pilgrim. Yes, I get it. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't read Powers, I but I, I do see what you mean there. Um, this is uh, very much uh, I, I read it as a retelling of almost uh, the, the professional uh, a little bit, where um, you know Leon is is training this uh, this girl to focus her anger onto something more constructive. Um, maybe it's not moral but at least it's constructive for her in in where she's going uh, so i want to know i want to know how the uh uncle lost his eye in the last 11 years is that in the last series i don't know i don't care he starts with two eyes and then at one of the jumps he loses an eye. there's there's gonna be a story um but can we talk sure. about can we talk about how amazing this panel layout is okay so in the first sequence the falling you could yeah. It's just so gorgeous. You could feel the falling mm-hmm. in yeah. four um, four long panels, and then the last sequence of the introduction of this big beef of a man about to beat the shit out of her. Yeah, the double page um, layout and how they intersperse panels with reactions. This is just awesome comic booking. Yeah, I also love the part where it's like he's telling her, you know. Uh, You've got uh, this is what's going on. This is the guy that threw your your dad off the roof. Yeah, um, and he's he's giving her just this prep talk for it. And this is what you got to do. And in front of her is like a screwdriver, a knife, and a, some scissors. And he go and he's like uh, he's going through explaining this to her. And then all of a sudden she just grabs the knife, jumps on him, and stabs him through the eye like ten mm-hmm. times, and, and doesn't even give him a chance to to give her a choice, you know, there is no choice in her, in her world, even mm-hmm. though the knife goes from the right eye to the left eye in the, uh, from as the story goes on. But well, how many, how many? Oh yeah, you're right. I was uh, going to say like, maybe it's the second stab, but the other eye isn't bludgeoned. So, yeah. no. um, but anyway, that's, I mean, I'm sure that was basically just a decision on, on part of like, they, they had to flip the image. Mm-hmm. Um, or anything, but it, I, I thought it was a great, uh, the, the whole thing, I think it helps that Michael Avon Oming is a, is an extremely talented storyteller by himself. So it's mm-hmm. almost like this is doubly written, you know, it's like, he'll take, he'll take, uh, Bendis's words and, um, realize it in a way that, um, elevates Bendis's, uh, writing to another level, I think. And that's, of- that's of his normal colla- of his like stable of normal crap uh, collaborators, uh, Evan Oming is my favorite. Like their partnership is is top notch. Yeah, <clears throat> okay. good stuff. Good Highly stuff. Great book. 
All right, let's move this gravy train along. The Mortal Hulk, number five, by Al Ewing and Joey, Joe Bennett and Rui Jose. Marvel has this to say, not a lot. Guest starring Alpha Flight Sasquatch. The monster inside Bruce Banner is fully unleashed in a brutal, bloody battle with the monster who made him. Blood will flow, the truth will come out. There can only be one winner, and it won't be the Immortal Hulk. So I, I haven't been reading this. Can I tell you what I think it happened and it's about? Sure. The whole first scene with Sasquatch, That's has he been in this series before? He just was set up as the bad guy of this one for now. He was in last issue, just at okay. the very end, saying that he was looking for the Hulk. Okay. Uh, so for Banner to change into the Hulk, he has to be killed? Something like that. Because he gets uh, his throat sliced, and then yeah. he's able to turn into the Hulk. It's showing that, yeah. It's showing that the arrow that Hawkeye killed him, uh, killed, shot him with, didn't really kill him. It just triggered a new version of the Hulk. Now, Al Ewing has been doing this version of the Hulk for a little while. This is the first time we've really got a hint as to why he is what what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's it's an interesting way of, of doing it. Uh, but I don't know if it's I don't know if waiting until the fifth issue. Uh, if that's the best way to do so, so they were talking they they've been talking about they they make reference to the green door which i surmised as what the hulk comes through when banner is in, dying or in danger or needs so like it's it's what hulk walks through yeah. but it's this supernatural kind of metaphysical thing mm-hmm. because sasquatch when uh, so maybe every character that transforms into a beast or a monster has a version of green door especially a gamma door right yeah. and things can get through it um ghosts spirits demons it's just a, it's like a door that's open and something can can come in if it's open long enough and and take it over and that's what happened to sasquatch and it just so happened to be uh the daddy daddy banner right yeah and now daddy well Okay, one of the problems that I've had with the Hulk since the beginning of this series mm-hmm. is that he... You read the first issue, right? I did read the very first issue, yeah. Well, in that issue, he... Instead of really smashing and doing all this stuff, he kind of just lectures people. <laughs> he just he said how, like, I, I forget what it was, but it was a... There was another Gamma character, and instead of, instead of really, um, like this being a slugfest sort of thing, he's like shaming him and saying he's going to take him to the police and do all of this stuff, which I thought was just weird uh, why he would do that when in the past we've had Mindless Hulk, we've had Smart Hulk, we've had Bruce Banner in Hulk, or we've had, you know, teenage kind of Hulk where he's he's, uh, like Mr. Fix-It, all these different kind of like immoral Hulk that it's weird that uh, now what we're doing, we're going back to uh, Ang Lee's version <laughs> a little bit, where he's haunted by his father. Um, he he seems like a little bit more of instead of being a force of nature, more of like a beast of burden. So he's he's cognizant mm-hmm. and thinks he's more of a um, more of like a a, a, a monster with ennui. Knows he's a weapon, but doesn't want to be a weapon. That's like what I'm getting out of it. Oh, I I saw it as he's basically when he's the Hulk, it's his dad, 
And when it's when he's Bruce Banner, he's Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Oh, wait, has his dad? This is the first issue. His dad's reflection has shown up. Right? This is yes. This is. The first I took time. it. I did. I didn't take it as his dad is always Hulk. Just that he was able to kind of get inside his head or transfer through the green door during the fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could have been it too. I don't like it that 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 whatever whatever Daddy Banner somehow got into Walter Langowski in the, in Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it to make it think that like, there's, there's a gamma universe, you know, and that's where all yeah, of these Hulks That's what live. it sounds like. It, it, it's weird that I, I don't know it, it, if that's where Al Ewing is going. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I like it that well, much. Al Ewing has but... a, has a bit of a history at Marvel of like, of, of introducing these like metaphysical planes and, yeah. and craziness that, that's quote unquote, like, explains reboots and explains multiverses and it's so like i could totally see him going with like maybe some sort of hokum about how gamma radiation or gamma radiated materials have uh are like tuned to something that is supernatural i I could totally see him potentially doing that with this like uh if gamma radiated creatures are um more susceptible to possessions or demons or stuff like that then Okay, that's interesting, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never been a giant horror comic book, and I could totally like feel that here. It's good. Um, I do love... I did love... I think it was like page... On the digital file, like page 14, the the Super Hulk groin kick to Sasquatch. Yeah. You guys notice that? He's... Uh, well, Sasquatch has a very odd groin anyway. He's got this giant growth of... Yeah, no, hair. but... But John Banner literally kicks him in the nuts across the room. <laughs> and the panel layout for it is hilarious. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's almost felt like a one shot. Yeah. <laughs> not a great jumping on point. No, but no. I mean, it's not a terrible one. It's really, it's kind of leading. It's kind of been leading up to all of this. Yeah, but if you haven't been reading the other four, it's not a good jumping on point when you say leading up. I, I, but at the same time, he's, I don't know, he, it's, this is what the series is all about, but we haven't been known, we didn't realize that that's what the series is all about. In, until now? Till now, yeah. Oh, you're right. So, th- so this is, right in the nuts. So this is more like a turning point in the story, not necessarily a jumping on point then. Right in the Sasquatch make. Yes. He's deflecting now. He went back to the nuts when he realized he was wrong that this isn't no, a good jumping on point. He, he said yes, he agreed. Mm. Uh, so they, they completely took away the Sasquatch character. It's gone. Yeah, which is dumb because they sent him to fucking space last time. So it's just, that's just. Why doesn't Sasquatch have ass hair? <laughs> He's got, huh? it's all in the, he combs it all to the front. He's got butt hair. He doesn't have butt hair. No. Oh my God. He doesn't have butt hair. Yeah. He's got a raw baboon's ass. That is really awkward. Yep. It looks like testicles. He, more important question. Why does Walter have giant mutton chops? Mm. He's Walter, and that's a terrible facial decision. Yeah. It would probably be bad he if you, Walter also had ass hair and Sasquatch didn't. He hasn't been uh, yeah. he hasn't been a human in so long. That was he still him. thinks that's cool. Yeah, that was, that was 
Is everyone trying to look like Wolverine still? This is good, right? This is good. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This this could this could end up being like a a really interesting run. But I like, yeah. Al, I like Al Ewing. For some I reason, too. I thought he was a black guy, but apparently he's a British guy. Uh, I never, what? I never really thought about it. Oh, is that because he did the version of Mighty Avengers? Yeah, I, I guess that run of Mighty Avengers that was uh, Luke Cage's Avengers, essentially yeah, not yeah. new Avengers, but Luke Cage's Avengers. It was like the all, like, like the street, like, like the street level Avengers. It was basically, it was basically the Avengers. And by but, the way, he could be both. They're not mutually exclusive. No. Oh wow! <laughs> American. Hold on, uh, I, I gotta get my contact out. It's going crazy. So you, you guys talk. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was Mighty Avengers. This is this came out of oh uh, it was um Superior Spider Man, White Tiger, uh Blue Mar Blue Marvel. I hope he comes back soon because I literally have nothing to say about this book. I I I gave oh, well, so zero fucks. It. Let's just let's move on to the next book. It's, it's yeah, fuck it, it was it gone. was good. Yeah, good. Fucking like this gone. this was this was a fine horror comic. If that's your thing, it's just, no. like read the other ones. God, I love I love how you think, buddy. Let's do it. What? what? No, no. Moving on without Buck. I love it. All right. Um, so let's do the <laughs> Dreaming Number One, written by Cy Spurrier and art by Billquis Evely. In the Dreaming Number One uh, by Vertigo Comics. What uh, I was saying is like, why is Sasquatch? <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he have butt hair? Where's his butt hair? <laughs> I just think we just need a new Alpha Flight series because it needs to just get this shit. They shouldn't be in space. There's no reason why there should be a giant hairy beast flying a spaceship with Han Solo. I mean, they're trying to make it into like a, a Wookiee thing, uh -huh. but it's like, you know, I just don't like it that Sasquatch... It, Alpha Flight was always indicative to Canada, and they just took that away from them. Also, how are things built on the on the, the station for Puck? Right? I mean, I mean, he's got to carry like a booster seat around with him everywhere because you're not going to, especially, equip it for a midget. Actually, I would love to see Puck and Sasquatch out there in space, like riding like a Millennium Falcon like thing. That would actually be kind of fun. Two people of weird proportions are not the prime candidates for space travel. No, but Just they could not. be like a uh, they could be like a Han Solo and and Chewbacca out there. I like how your Jibarab, I like how your suspension of disbelief uh, stops at height differential. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's not worry about the fact <laughs> that it's a sentient Sasquatch. Yes. Let's yeah, talk no. about the logistics Buck, of building this fucking space station. Buck, space and time travel. How are we going to have the the cabinets that high? Really? You could I have mean, a booster seat for him, and uh, they could just Sasquatch could sit on the floor. I I have no I have no love, or actually I I just don't know anything about like I know about Alpha Flight, but I don't care enough. And then I've not been reading the space version, so whatever. It was kind of stupid me, to put him in space. Joe was. Bennett, Joe Bennett, <laughs> tell me Joe Bennett did not write draw the hell out of that. Sasquatch though he looked oh really yeah the, cool. the book it, it feels like a it feels like an amazing 90s action comic book like it's 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 a it's good but it is like you know read up and enjoy horror if you're really gonna like like this is not a normal Hulk book 
Yeah, yeah, this is not your typical. Our quote-unquote normal Hulk book. He's he's intentionally trying something different, and if it's not your thing, yeah. comic book boy rage. At least the Hulk book. At least at least the Hulk is in it, uh, which is cool because there were there we have had Hulk books where the Hulk isn't in it. True. Um, and I to me though nothing nothing will ever compare to uh, Peter David's run on the Hulk, and so it's it it really nothing really has come along that is even come close maybe planet hulk but uh that was even problematic and made cooler on the screen i think uh anyway that's my two cents are we going I, I'm we are to... more we are we are no we're moving on and okay. we're not <laughs> we're not doing that's all right not your fault we're not moving we're not doing the dreaming we're going right to cover number one by... is it my fault yes yes we're going on to cover <laughs> number one uh by Vertigo now. It's under the Jinx World cover under DC by Brian Michael Bendis and art by David <clears throat> Mack. Deep in the American intelligence community, someone realizes that comic book creators who travel all over the world to sell their wares might make the perfect cover for operatives in the dangerous topsy-turvy world of intelligence and counterintelligence. And that's when all hell breaks loose. This is a story of the time the world of comics and the world of international spy work smashed together. With unexpected results. I didn't like this issue. This was a little bit too much behind the curtain of comic book stuff. Oh yeah. Um, it, it it's chasing Amy meets my superhero ex girlfriend. You know that that. that I actually story. do know that movie. Yeah, I do. Uh, I you know it's 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 that it's it, you know it it's really not. I don't know. I just wasn't for me the the behind the scenes stuff is stuff you've seen in it's cliched stuff that you've you either hear at every convention or you feel like would be at every convention. Um and I, I just I I didn't I mean the art some of the art looks really good. Some of the art looks very rushed and I didn't like it. Um, Mac does a whole bunch of different styles here, which mm-hmm. some of them I like, some of them I, some of them was too photo referenced. Others were really beautifully painted. Um, but all in all, it's, it's, this is not for me. Um, so this is like a tale of two books. I liked it a lot more than I liked Pearl a lot more. I guess I hated being torn out of it. Uh, it goes along lines with, um, what you were saying about behind the curtain. I didn't care about like, you know, the the broad strokes with which they paint uh, cons and stuff. That's fine. Uh, when it turned into, like, asides from Bendis's, uh what was it, Total Sellout, the autobiographical comic he did. I, I didn't see that. I didn't read that. It was years and years ago. But it was, it was him as himself, drawing himself, talking about himself. And the banter that he has, that, that this comic book Max guy has with a writer who's bald Hmm. as they go to cons was just like it was too knowing about the creator took me out of this book it was too winky it was too on the nose it was too but the stuff outside of that was fine like i love the premise the premise is fantastic the idea of uh anybody whose normal life takes them around the world is it though you know you will know you know that Wait, no, you know that that shit has happened, though. No, like, but with writers the thing is, or television personalities or... Sure, sure, yes. Like, uh, that's a cool idea. I like that idea. 
but not not your normal your your normal mid-level comic book artist is not traveling the world your normal midwest I, they're they're working a couple of jobs. I, I know this because that's me almost. I only can go to like a couple of cons, and it's just because I don't have the money to to go to all these places. I'll I'm take not, it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, but like let's say he's level above Bug. Let's say I mean because he's getting a couple thousand dollars for his prints, and I'm not let's trying, say I'm not he's trying to disparage. Mack. Let's just say he's David Mack. But okay, let me take it, let me take it one step further, <laughs> and then I'll shut up. What are most artists known for? Myopia and bad backs. <laughs> I mean, no, I would not. I'd pick a business person before I would pick a, a, a comic book. I mean, does anybody remember how they couldn't get comics into fucking Canada? I exactly. mean, what, what payload are you going to give this asshole? Because it all has to go through customs, yeah. especially if they're bringing literature from border to border. It's almost like they didn't really do research. It's like this. it's like true lies, uh, you know. It's that level of of big budget sort of storytelling that, like, if once you start putting real world rules to it, it completely falls apart. Yeah, which makes us the most self serving piece of drag I think we've read this. It week. is extremely self serving. Yeah, yes. it's it's know. like. Yeah, it, it's just like, oh, I'm a comic book writer. I'm going to write something about comics. I've been writing comics for so long that I haven't done anything else. So this is, you write what you know, and so I'm writing this. <laughs> I've, I was I was trying to figure out the, um, the reason for the art change other than just Mac wanting to. Like if there's different types of this- <laughs> like different parts of the story that are uh, rendered one way versus others. So like the... I think it's the third time he meets um, Julia. Yeah. she It's the original art style. She starts to slowly come into frame, and then all of a sudden, she's in color. And, it's like, and, Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but then, as soon as she starts talking about work, she goes back to... So I, I don't know. I guess I was overthinking it and trying to, to come up with, is there a reason as to why the art style is chosen from scene to scene, or is it just, today I feel like doing this. Today I feel like doing this. And I couldn't I tell. I, I just definitely tell. think that there, she comes into color when uh, he starts showing some interest in in her. He's she starts. I think we we get like the first color panel. Like I don't know. This was this is almost. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like halfway through the book, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know. Um, and yeah, I think that that just shows his his interest. <clears throat> His interest in her. I mean, I think that there's a there's a there's definitely it, a psychological sort of thing going but on. But then it would wane mid conversation. Then, if that's which which totally could be the case. So, like, it's interesting that she is photo referenced in full color, um, and during the same conversation, he is not. And then, as soon as the conversation turns with her knowing too much information about him, she goes back to muted. Yeah, yeah. So, like, He's, is this just his filter for her? Of, he thinks she yeah. might be some kind of stalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, he when he sees know. her at the very end, bring bright color, full, full watercolors, mm-hmm. and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. there's a lot of coolness to this book, and I I, I kind of want to keep reading it to see if it's anything. Um, but yeah. I don't like the Bendis character. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't like the Bendis character. It, it, it's, um, I. I get it that Bendis has probably been sitting on some of these things for a little while because like they haven't, they, he didn't really 
publish any of that stuff at uh, at Marvel over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they probably were sitting on a lot of these first issues of these series for a while. And I I don't know how long it's going to be in between the second issues of all of these things. And I think it's stupid for them to put out two number ones in the same week of Bendis. Um, I, uh, that I mean. Talk about oversaturation that we're getting oversaturated with Bendis right now. And, and, you know, that's what DC's doing right now. Um, I, I think uh, if for Bendis to kind of keep this up, he's going to dilute his product. He's going to dilute his, his work. I don't think anybody can write six comics a month. Mm -hmm. No one, I don't, I, I mean, I don't care if you're the most proficient writer in the world. It's going to show um in your in your work it, this just feels like a weak plot um uh, just a weak it, it's it's a weak premise and it's not something that i see really maybe this is a four issue series and that's what it is uh but well maybe just, this goes back to what we talked about was last time with pearl like uh i admittedly give a lot of slack to him for second and third issues because um, of who he is. Well, I've talked know? about that before with Millar and a, and a couple others, but mm-hmm. I, at least with Millar, I know I'm going into a mini series. I know it's it's usually it's so high concept that it's going to burn itself out like a Roman candle, and usually yeah. less than twelve <laughs> issues out of the gates on yeah. fire. <laughs> First issue, yeah, one panel one. <laughs> um, but you know, with with these, he's trying to build a side universe. So I've got to agree with Bug. You know, what What are the sustainabilities of this book, or are they just flash in the pants? And I'll even argue as a high-concept Roman candle it burns out, this is still some real self-pretentious, you know, pretentious, self-serving mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah. Not a, not a fan of this one, but... No. Uh, I, I, I mean, if, if you're looking for, a, for Bendis books to follow at Marvel, Action Comics, number one... Um, mm-hmm. I would say murder SEC. United States. Uh, what's that? Oh yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, you don't know the title uh, cause it's not what the first issue was about, but it's okay. Say it. Action comics, yeah, United States one. versus murder Inc. <laughs> even though I always thought it was, I, I always thought it was United States of murder Inc. There you go. That's what you I didn't always get any was. of it at the first issue. My only point I'm done. Yeah. Anyway, but, but those two and then Superman and then the rest of the crap that he's putting out. <laughs> Yeah, even Scarlet, which I loved Scarlet when it was, you know, over in the other house, but now it's just kind of burr. I don't, I didn't remember it. So that first issue coming back in was like, uh, cool. Um, I just, I remember JD going fucking ape shit. Oh, it was one of the first ones we reviewed on the podcast, and I just remember JD going ape shit over Malieve's photo referencing, like to the point of like, he was wiping his ass. He was an angrier JD then granted, <laughs> but he was, wow. He was full of vitriol. That's why that one stuck out to me. Well, I mean, photo ref, I guess has its place in comics. It's been around for so damn long. Still at the same time, I really do feel like it's, it, it, it doesn't give enough credit to those artists who actually sit or who actually put the butt in the butt in the, chair time to well, draw shit out and actually there's different types really of photo referencing too like so so i the the kind of photo referencing that doesn't bother me at all is the kind of like chips at rc does he has models he asks them to do stuff but it still looks like his drawings like he still redraws what they're doing doesn't draw over it it's like it's just it's just references literally just references as opposed to 
sketching over her photograph, which bugs me. But yeah. the only reason why it bugs me, because I couldn't do it this well either. It's not like it's a cheat. The only reason why it bugs me is just it always looks stiff. It doesn't doesn't look yeah. dynamic. It doesn't look yeah. like you might as well just do, what is it, the like a Fumetti comic? Is that what they were called? Where it was just like pictures of people yeah. with yeah. word mm-hmm. balloons? Mm-hmm. Like, just do that shit. That was yeah. one of Bug's first comics. It was. I did a fumetic comic a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I get then? And that was that's the term for it. Like, I, I think that's what it was called. Sure, that it was yeah. something with an F. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy your experience doing a fumetic comic? I loved it because I wasn't really, I didn't really want to draw anything, so it just got gave me a chance to kind of still be the artist on it, but it it was. Uh, I could I could focus on the writing. Not that the writing was anything great at that time, but it was a it don't was a t- stupid. Don't no, undersell no. yourself. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, believe this, in you. This you was have to, this was weird reflect. stuff. I'll send you a, a picture of uh, one of my uh, one of my. Drawings. Does it look like uh, I sent you guys a link to Total Sellout? It's actually really funny. It's, yeah, it's old yeah, school Bendis. It, it's really funny. Sellout. Yeah. Yes, it's. Fu- I mean, it, it's a fun. Th- it's a fun concept to do because it's like, yeah. It, it, if you're, if you're a, a poor writer or artist or or whatever, and you're looking to kind of looking for a a, a shortcut sort of sort of thing, you know, just to kind of do your do your stuff and and kind of you don't want to have to pay an artist to do it. You know, that's mm-hmm. do, do some fumetti. Do it. All right, all right. Um, we we not only are going to piss off JD, we are also probably going to be banned from the world of podcasting as we crest into the almost two hour mark. So why would you talk? Why would you stop this goodness oh, yeah. train? I'm tired. Uh, I'm I'm sorry that he has to um, edit this. You're all dead to me, and you're never going to be on the show again. From now on, it's just going to be me. So die. Yeah, and I'm sorry to anybody who's listening to it as well. We tried. We really did. So, I'm Rob Patey signing off. As usual, I have nothing to plug. If you want to talk to me or read any of my other shit, Google Rob Patey. You'll find me. Uh, Noel, do you do plugs? Um, I have nothing specific to plug. I've got a website. I've got stuff published, but I'm a normal 9 to fiver that just likes to talk about shit now. So, if you want to ask me questions or hit me up on social medias... um, at Mr. Bartocci on Twitter and just Noel Bartocci, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I on Facebook. Just send me a message. I'm good. Groovy. Mark. You can find me at Mark mm-hmm. underscore L underscore Miller uh, on the Twitters. Uh, you, I have a Patreon. That's at uh, ML Miller at Patreon. And then uh, I will be selling my comics at Exit Nightclub in Chicago next Monday night. Oh, nice. Uh, I thought you were going to say at a turnpike exit. No, <laughs> no, it's a bar called Exit. Right. Um, it's a cool it's a cool little place. But I'll also be at uh, New York Comic Con this year where, where I will be doing my uh, Reinventing Horror panel, and we'll be having a lot of fun guests on that on that panel. Oh, you're, going Com- to, you're going up to NYCC? Yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. I, I didn't go to San Diego this year, but I will be in New York. So if anyone's coming to New York, let me know. Also, if anyone wants to be on the panel, call me and let me know. All right. Yay. All right. Good night, everybody. And we're sorry again. Two hours. Bye, JD. Bye. Love you, Jittles. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast. 
where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.